Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you for another week of news and opinion and information. I have EJ with me. Say hello to him. <laughs> All right, we're going to have a good show for you today. We're going to do the news of the good, the bad, and the ugly of the past week. And, uh, of course, we'll have some dumb criminal law stories. And we'll have a Paul Harvey story for you and some riddles. Now, let's start out. This week we have more good than we usually have. Let's jump right into it. The first good thing that's happened, in our opinion, is that Colin Kaepernick has been made the man of the year for Nike's campaign, 30-year campaign of Just Do It with the swoosh. It's brought about controversy, but in less than 24 hours since he first revealed that uh, he was going to be that man of the year, Nike received more than $43 million worth of media exposure. And the vast majority of it was neutral to positive, according to Apex Marketing. Great. The campaign is the first step in Nike's new partnership with Kaepernick, an extension of a deal he had with the company since he entered the NFL in 2011. Many of you may remember he took his team, the 49ers, to the Super Bowl in 2014. However, in 2000, what was it, 16, he started to have a, you might say, his own epiphany? No, I don't know that it was an epiphany. He wanted to protest what was going on against African Americans being killed by police. Also, you know, police brutality and that sort of thing. And he did this by sitting down when the national anthem was played. And then he started kneeling. And it caught on with other teams that have African-American players. And, of course, the president came out against this and started something that was very divisive with respect to the NFL. But, however, he has a slogan, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. He's not played football since 2016, no team will take him up because I guess they think that he is a troublemaker and he will make people go away from the NFL. However, what we have here, we don't have we don't have information on how much he's going to make from this, but he seems to be happy about the deal that he's getting. A lot of people are unhappy and they're burning up their Nike shoes in their own protest. Well, that's their money that they lost out on by burning up their shoes. But uh that's nerve of them to 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 uh not want him to make any money given that he's such an excellent player and the teams seem to be colluding. You know, the team owners seem to be colluding. Right. In not not hiring him when he's such an excellent player. They hire people that that don't play half as well as he does. That's right. And um, so who are they to complain about him? trying to get an alternative means of support, (laughs) economic support. Yep. Well, again, let's just be clear now. This whole thing about 
the kneeling while the national anthem is playing is nothing against the flag of the United States or the veterans of the United States. It has nothing to do with it. This is something that President Trump has tried to use as a divisive wedge, the kind of thing that demagogues also always do. These millionaire players should not be doing this. Well, uh, they are Americans. They have a right to silent protest. It's in the First Amendment. It doesn't hurt anyone. And most people don't understand what it's about. So at any rate, congratulations to Colin Kaepernick. Hope he makes a buck or two off of this. That was on the 3rd of September. That was Labor Day when that announcement came up. But we had some things that happened during the week that we wanted to talk about. Our last week's show, we talked about the death of Aretha Franklin, paid tribute to her. Talked about the death, the passing of John McCain. We gave some tribute to him. Talked about uh, that the good was the lives that they've led. That's exactly right. And the good this week are the kinds of, how would you say it, kinds of recognition recognition and memorials both of them got. We start with Friday, the last day of August, the 34th. There was a, a funeral for Aretha Franklin. And uh, the Queen of Soul got a send-off, that was Friday, with a marathon funeral featuring moving performances and heartfelt tributes by Who's Who's from Hollywood. The red carpet was rolled out for her. I saw some of the funeral, but it was eight hours long. I didn't see all of it, that's for sure. But she was in a gold casket, laid out. There's a quote. She was born a princess. Her family made her so, but it was through her talent, determination, and care for others that she became a queen, said former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder. He was one of the luminaries there. We also had guests like Whoopi Goldberg, Jesse Jackson, Gladys Knight, Tony Bennett, Barbara Streisand, Diana Ross, Smokey Robinson, the Clark sisters, and uh, Rep. Representative Maxine Waters, they all praised Jackson. Also, there was, what's her name, Ariana? Grande. Grande, yes, she sang Natural Woman, Stop the Show. There were some other people who sang, and you're going to tell us about that, EJ? Yeah, I was so, I watched, I don't think I watched eight hours, but I must have watched at least seven. My God. (laughs) But it, but uh, it just came. You just couldn't leave. You know, all these people who are paying tribute to someone who probably uh, influenced uh, these people who were aspiring singers at one time. She had Shaka Khan, who sang uh, "Going Up Yonder," a gospel uh, piece, and. Um, the Clark sisters, who are well known, is my living in vain, and a parent, that's a common song s- sung in the black church, and p- everybody in the audience was singing along with her, with with the Clark sisters, Whoopi Goldberg, even Tyler Perry, he was in the audience. Uh, Fantasia sang, "Precious Lord, take my hand," and also "You've Got a Friend." It was so. Cute about it is Fantasia, a la 
uh, Aretha took off her shoes before she to get comfy and to show that she was going to get into the into the song Precious Lord. Um, and uh, Aretha is known to do that when she sings Amazing Grace. Jennifer Hudson was there. She sang Amazing Grace. She was handpicked by Aretha to play her in a biopic um, that's upcoming. And so that was really um, pertinent. Um, surprisingly, they Aretha had expressed that one of her favorite TV shows was uh, Tyler Perry's To Have the Haves and the Have-Nots. So the cast of the have not the show were in the was in the audience. Thought that was a a nice gesture on their part. Nice gesture. Also, former President Bill Clinton spoke to the oh, audience. Yeah. You know, yeah, and uh, she sang at his uh, inaugural, at least one of them. I didn't know about if they were both. He sang. She sang in both. But anyway, it was star. Yeah, he gave studded. some good, some good, some good send off messages. Uh, many of us, you know, know about her, remember her songs uh, as songs that um, kind of referenced times in our lives. Yeah, that's and right. He said the same thing. That's right. You know, when he was young, even even Tyler Perry said he could tell how his mother was feeling about his father when they would ride in the car. If she sang, feel uh, natural. Was it if do like right a, do, do right, right woman, woman? Then that meant that he must have been doing something wrong to her. But if she sang Doctor Feel Good, then he knew that his father must be doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for that. Listen, let's go on. There's more good. And what's very surprising, uh, John McCain was laid in state in the state house in Phoenix, Arizona, and then he was sent on to Washington, D.C., where he lied in state in the Capitol Rotunda. His mother, who's 106 years old, led, led the Capitol honors. She led his son's casket into the church where they had the funeral. This was the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., Bet you didn't know that I used to go to church and at the National Cathedral when I lived in Washington, D.C. Isn't that something? Is that right? Yep, that's right. But at any rate, there were many memorials hailing McCain and what he did. Now, one of the ones that stood out the most for me is there's a headline in the New York Post. It said, Sharp Tongue Buries Trump, Daughter Meg, Hero, McCain, The Real Thing. There's a little story that without mentioning his name, Megan McCain tore into President Trump and memorial service for her father, Arizona Senator John McCain, which turned into a bipartisan gripe session against the current occupant of the White House. She went on, we gather here to mourn the passing of an American great. McCain, who's 33 years old and a host on the ABC's The View, said on Saturday at the funeral at the National Cathedral, there's the real thing, not cheap rhetoric. There's the real thing, not cheap rhetoric from men who will never come near the sacrifice he gave so willingly, nor the opportunity of those who lived comfort and privilege. 
He was a great fire who burned bright. A lot of people, she said, resented that fire, but he was a good man. As she gave these words, President Trump's motorcade was making its way from the White House to one of his golf courses in Virginia. On the way, he was tweeting about the hoax, this uh, supposedly, uh, what is it, the investigation against him being a hoax, and he talked about Russian interference in the presidential election. It was bad on his part. But anyway, the the tributes to Mr. McCain on Saturday at the National Cathedral were very outstanding. There was no super partisanship during this weekend with the McCains, and that's a good thing in Washington, D.C. It really is. Who gave the tributes? We had George W. Bush gave tribute. Barack Obama gave a eulogy. The both of them gave eulogies. Lindsey Graham spoke. We had um, Lieberman. He spoke. Joe, Joe Lee. These Joseph, are two senators. Yeah, Joseph Lieberman, who was a senator. They and, spoke. And Graham, right. Lindsey Graham, is a good friend of uh, was a good friend of uh, McCain. And that's Senator exactly McCain. right. So there were a lot of people. It was a two-hour funeral that turned into a two-hour and thirty-four-minute funeral, which was a long time for the National Cathedral. But John McCain deserved it. So that's some of the good of the week, and it's more good than we usually have. We're going to stop here. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about the bad and the ugly of the week. This is Birdsong. My friend EJ is here, too. Stick with us. You'll learn something. Folks, back with you on Birdsong. We're talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly as we usually do. EJ is here. We talked about the good, the funerals for Aretha Franklin and for John McCain over the weekend. And then there was the Colin Kaepernick revelation that Nike is making him man of the year. A lot of people are burning up their sneakers because of that, their Nike sneakers. But he hasn't been picked up by football teams so maybe he'll make some money with this. Let's talk about the bad. Now, you know, there can be a lot of bad, and we don't have a lot of time, but one of the bad things that came about is on, when was it, on Tuesday the 4th, we found out that Bob Woodward, who is a Works for the Washington Post. I think he's an associate editor now. He was a reporter there. He writes books. He writes book uh, books about the White House. He's done something like eight of them over the last few years. He's coming out with a new book. It's called Fear. And in his book, he talks about all kinds of bad things that are happening. Here's a little story from the Orlando Sentinel, at least part of it. An incendiary book by a reporter who helped bring down President Richard Nixon is roiling the White House as current and former aides of President Donald Trump are quoted calling him an idiot. Hmm. 
and claiming they removed papers from his desk to prevent him from withdrawing from a pair of trade agreements. The book by Bob Woodard is the latest to throw the Trump administration into damage control mode with explosive anecdotes. Now, that was writing from the Orlando Sentinel, and the book has all kinds of quotes. It hasn't really come out for publication, but it paints the White House as in nervous breakdown. It talks about the things that people are denying in the White House. Supposedly, one of his associates says he's an idiot. Another one says that he is like a fifth or sixth grader. And um, it's bad. It's bad if this is what's really going on. Also, supposedly, his former attorney, Mr. Dowd, had a what they call a prep session with uh, the lawyer asking questions, the kind that Mueller would ask if he sat down with Mueller, that is, if Trump sat down with Mueller. And Mr. Trump lied to the lawyer. The lawyer was so upset about it, he quit the next day. As a matter of fact, the quote that came from that is that, listen, either you're going to stop lying or you're going to find yourself in an orange jumpsuit. Bad. Or you don't, you don't uh, testify, you know. He said you shouldn't testify yeah. for sure. You either don't testify or you'll find yourself in an orange jumpsuit. Right. Now, the other bad that I wanted to talk about is President Trump resumes his attack on Jeff Sessions, who's the attorney general, and on Democrats. He attacked the president attacked Attorney General Jeff Sessions and the Justice Department on Monday in connection with the indictments of two GOP congressmen on corruption charges, saying they could hurt the Republican Party in the midterm election. They were two long-running Obama-era investigations, says Trump. Now, that's not true. These investigations came up after Trump was in office. Obama had nothing to do with it. One of the congressmen is um, Chris Collins. Seems like he got dinged for insider trading with respect to a biotechnology company. The other fellow is Duncan Hunter. He was charged with using more than $250,000 in campaign funds personal expenses. Chris Collins was the one that was at a White House party, a lawn party, and he got word about some investment. uh, Never going south. It was going south. He's on the board, and so he couldn't very well sell the stocks, but he (laughs) called his son and uh, his his other members of the family and friends to tell them to dump their stock. And that's insider trading. And that's insider trading. You're not supposed to do that. But anyway, the whole point, though, is President Trump is unhappy about this because he feels, and he said this, that Jeff Sessions should be protecting GOP senators and congressmen like this because they need everyone they can to hold off the Democrats. However, the President of the United States doesn't control the Justice Department like that. It's not his personal lawyer. So he's unhappy about that. This is the bad of the week. The president is pushing norms that have never been seen before. Now, let's quickly. You didn't mention about um, 
the the first one when we talked about Bob Woodward, yep. he was. Well, I told you Bob Woodward was From the Nixon days. Yeah, he was. He was. He was a reporter that helped bring down Nixon and Watergate. I did mention right, that. They made a movie about it. That's right. All the king. All the president's men. Right. And he was very thorough. He's very thorough. Partner. They wrote a book, Bernstein and Woodward. Right. Okay. But they first investigated. They were investigating for the paper. They were investigative reporters. And they're the ones who found out all all what happened. So he's a very thorough investigator. Follow the money was what they said. Right. And he were like in with this new book. He recorded every conversation he had with the people he interviewed. That's right. He's supposed to have a hundred hours worth of recordings about people from the White House mm-hmm. who he said, let me record you. Right. And he, he talked to six people to try to talk to the president. President wouldn't talk to him. But claimed that he, he uh, didn't know he was trying to talk with him. But they caught him in a lie because he recorded him, too, and had Killian get on the Killianne. Killianne. <laughs> Killianne. Okay. Pinocchio Rose is what some people call her. Right. Well, at any rate, I'm glad that you brought that to my attention and to the listeners' attention. Let's move on to the ugly. Some of you know that um, yesterday hearings began in the Senate committee for Brett Kavanaugh, who has been nominated by the president to be the new associate um, member of the Supreme Court. Kavanaugh is a man who's written things saying that a president, sitting president, should not be allowed to be investigated while he's in office, that he can't be indicted, he can't be arrested, and this is the man that they've nominated. Democrats have not had a lot of time to really go over his 42,000 pages of information on his prior writings and things he did when he worked for Mr. Bush. Now, again, I won't go into his. Well, guess not. If they dump the stuff on him less than 24 hours before the hearing. That's right. An evidence dump, it's called. But what's really bad about this now, you know, a lot of people, well, let's just say, as I understand it, he is the, has the lowest rating of any nominee for the Supreme Court. He's been the worst in the last 25 years, but he may well be put into the seat. He may, you know, win nomination. He may go on to be because the Republicans have the numbers. However, I'm going to tell you one thing that did not go in his favor. At the lunch break at the first hearing, a fellow came up to him and wanted to shake his hand. This fellow is named Gutenberg. And his daughter was one of the people who died in the Parkland shooting in Florida on Valentine's Day. His 14-year-old daughter was killed among 17 people. He wanted to talk to him or speak to him about gun control, I guess. Kavanaugh, I mean, Mr. Gutenberg held his hand out to shake him, shake the hand of the nominee. The nominee looked at him, looked at his hand buttoned his coat, turned around, and went as far away from him as he could. He made an about face, and that has gone viral. It made him look really bad. And the White House knew it because they immediately uh, said that, uh, tried to cover for him, saying he didn't know that, that Kavanaugh didn't know who that person was. Yet we heard 
Gutenberg on news last night, national news, saying, I told him that I was the father of a daughter who was killed in the mass shooting. And that's when he turned around. So this does not bode well for Mr. Kavanaugh. Right. He was a, it was father to father, and he could have at least expressed condolences or I'm sorry to hear, you know, oh, you know, I know you must be going through something. But he just, after he heard who he was, he just turned around and didn't even shake his hand. Yep. It's not like he was worried he was going to throw acid on him or something. Acid on him or purple stuff or shoot him or as a matter of fact, uh, Mr. Gutenberg was invited to this hearing by Senator Feinstein of California because she is an advocate for gun control, and she invited Mr. Gutenberg, who is a lawyer himself, to sit in on this hearing because he's also interested in gun control. I didn't know he was a lawyer, but she did list. I watched the hearing. She did list the people she had invited mm-hmm. to sit in the hearing, and he was one of the I'm glad you have time to watch all of this kind of stuff. I just don't have time to watch all of it. Well, it is important. You're absolutely right, but there are other things that must be done. Now, I'm going to move on to what I consider the ugliest story of the past week. And that has to do with the governor's race down in Florida. Last week, we told you that there was a surprise upset in the primary where an African-American by the name of Andrew Gillum won the nomination from the Democratic Party to become governor of Florida. This is the first time an African-American has ever been nominated for that. His uh, rival uh, for the Republicans is a fellow by the name of DeSantis, and he's backed by President Trump. Now, the day after the election, Mr. DeSantis said something that's going to haunt him, that we Republicans don't want to see a governor like Gulp. Gellum, because we don't want them to monkey things up. Now, that was taken by a lot of people as sort of a race-baiting thing because Mr. Gillum is an African-American. But now, DeSantis denies that he meant anything racial about it. But here comes the fact that on Sunday, I think it was the second, we got a robocall in Florida and we don't know exactly how many people heard it, but it, um, it was not a dog whistle. It was a, a clip that shows how quickly racism is entered into this race in Florida. The robocall went like this. Well, I am quoting this. Well, hello there. The call begins as the sound of drums. And monkeys can be heard in the background. Oh, that's a shame. Then it goes on, quote, I is Andrew Gillum. We Negroes done made mud huts while white folks wait, waste a bunch of time making their home out of wood and stone. <laughs> I don't know any African-Americans who really talk like that. The speaker says, he goes on to say, quote, He'll pass a law letting African-Americans evade rest, arrest if, quote, if the Negro know for show he didn't do nothing, end quote. Now, again, we don't know how many people 
heard that, but it's been on the news. Supposedly, this robocall was not done by the Republican Party. Supposedly, it was done by a name, a man by the name of Scott Rhodes, who lives in Idaho. He may be a neo-Nazi, we learn. He's been leaked to similar campaigns in California, Alexandria, Virginia, and Charlottesville. Rhodes could not be immediately reached for comment, but he's done this kind of thing before. I think this is the ugliest thing I've ever heard in in state politics. I mean, this is bad. (laughs) <laughs> he's, got, he's got too much time on his hand. Mind your business. I uh, is own, Andrew Gillum. State, uh, uh, po- politics. Yeah, right. At any rate, great thing that that uh, Gillum has been received the Democratic nomination. And you know so what? Only in America. Only in America. Somebody who is the son of a bus driver, and I forgot what his his mother does, but that we can. Um, if we put our minds to it, we can do anything. Well, let me just tell you this little That's fact. That's why people come to this country. That's, That's right. That's why the, we're, we all are, many of us are here. So, folks, that Great. is the good, the bad, and the ugly of the week here on Birdsong. You probably know something about it. You got our opinions about it. It's an ugly story about this man who has this robocall. I is Andrew Gillum. <laughs> well, it's, you know, oh, that's so, so many things when people talk about racism is over when President Obama became president. We we see that that's not true. Um, racism so. will always be with us. You know, I've lived in Africa and you can't call it racism because most of the people there are black, but they are tribal. They know they come from different tribes or nations, and they hate each other's guts. And sometimes they fight. Sometimes they kill each other. So probably it's an ingrained thing. But in the United States, we're not in Africa. We're here in a country. Many African Americans were brought here certainly against our wills, and many have triumphed over it. I keep reminding people. They should be applauded and supported because they triumph. That's right. Yes, a lot of people, immigrants come here and then they move into the term, into what the term is ghetto. Ghetto is not referred to a, a, the black race only. Immigrants moved to places where immigrants from their nation or from their village lived. That's right. Lived Germans moved and lived where Germans lived. Italians lived where Italians lived. Jews lived where Jews lived. Blacks lived where black people live. Said blacks, if they wanted to move elsewhere in town, they weren't allowed. Well, so were the other groups that I mentioned. Yeah, For a while, true. they all just had been discriminated against. But at any rate, we will be back next week with more news of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Maybe not as much good news as today. Um, let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> But anyway, we're going to take a pause for the cause here, and we'll come back with some dumb criminal law stories and some riddles for you. You know, you can buy my dumb criminal law story books on uh, Amazon.com. They're inexpensive and they're funny. You might want to go to Amazon.com. Just type in in the book section, Professor Birdsong's Dumb Criminal Law Stories. This is Birdsong. We'll be back.
This is Birdsong back with you. Talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly news of the week. Now we're going to do some dumb criminal law stories. These stories are true. They don't go away. I'm here with EJ. We'll see what she has to say about some of these. Our first story today comes from Alaska. The headline, Streaking and Freaking. An Alaska Airlines passenger in mid-flight stripped naked and streaked wildly up and down the aisle until fellow passengers locked him in a bathroom. (coughs) The bare-bottom butthead shouted and waved his arms while running back and forth on the flight en route to Anchorage from Seattle. He was taken into police custody at the Anchorage airport. We have no further news of it, but streaking and freaking, not a good thing on an airliner. Our second story comes from Arizona. Police chase home makeover. That's the headline. Police chase home makeover. A Phoenix couple is demanding the city pay for damage to their home after a burglar and a SWAT team wrecked it during a standoff. Carjacking suspect, carjacking suspect, Jairo Conteros broke into Beverly and Ed Dahl's home while they were out in order to evade police chasing this fellow in April of this year. By the time the police were able to arrest him, there was a hole in the ceiling of their house. Three doors and nine windows were broken, and everything was covered in tear gas residue. Police police chase home makeover. Not good. How about this from Australia? Maybe you've heard this story. A pint-sized traveler lives it up, says the headline. A 12-year-old boy, angry with his mother after an argument, booked a flight to Bali with her credit card and flew to the Indonesian island by himself. His name is Drew, and he flashed his passport, passed through a computer check system, and boarded a plane at Sydney International Airport, according to his mother, Emma who would not divulge her last name. She admits that Drew spent four days living in a luxury all-seasons hotel in Dinspar, nope, Dinspasar, before she tracked him down. A pint-sized traveler lives it up. Boy, what chutzpah, huh? Took her, took her, took her. 12 years old. Took her credit card and ordered himself a trip to Indonesia because she was, he was mad at her. All right, let's go to California. Headline, caught fake-handed, says the headline. We learned that three crooks were arrested for a burglary when police found a prosthetic arm in the back of one of their cars, according to police. The arm had been snatched during a home invasion, and police had spent a week hunting for the suspects when they searched the ride in a Nevada city. Michael Emma St. Clair and Mike Mulligan were arrested on suspicion of burglary and possession of stolen property. The arm was returned to its owner. Who steals a prosthetic arm? (laughs) I mean, this is just (laughs) caught fake handed, says the headline. (laughs) They might be able to use it in a <laughs> in the future, when they rob something, there would be no fingerprints. Now, here's a sad but true story. This one comes out of Florida. The headline reads, The deputy was a thief, too. It's been reported that Broward County Sheriff Deputy 
Henry Guzman allegedly stole $200 worth of merchandise over several days from a Lauderdale Lakes, Florida, Walmart, while in uniform and working security for the store. He would hide DVDs and Star Wars action figures in his department-issued bulletproof vest. Yes, he's been arrested and is now under investigation as to whether he will lose his job. What do you bet that he's going to lose that job? I hope so. <laughs> he felt he did his Christmas shopping early. The deputy was a thief, too. All right. Florida, another story from Florida. The headline, An Unusual and Ugly Dogfight. Timothy Manley, an airline pastor who was furious about the space taken up by a fellow passenger's Great Dane service dog. Great Dane. Great Dane punched the dog when the Colorado to Orlando flight landed in Orlando. Police say Manley then punched the dog's owner, Hazel Ramirez, a deaf 20-year-old pregnant woman. Oh, my. And he was arrested after the plane taxied to the gate. An unusual and ugly dog fight. He punched the dog and then he and punched the owner. and the owner too. Yeah, good lord. <laughs> oh gosh. He's okay. Got, he's got issues. Yeah, he certainly does. Here's another story from Florida. We get a lot of these stories from Florida. Now the headline. Just think about it. The headline just said two words: big bust. Big bust. It's been reported that three crooks have been caught in a month-long scheme to snatch thousands of dollars in bras and other women's underwear from Victoria's Secret. Two former employees of a shipping company, along with an accomplice, pocketed $20,000 in undies and sold them online near Tallahassee, Florida, according to police. This was all done in late April of this year. Big bust. Get it? (laughs) <laughs> oh my God! Oh, these stories never stop. Double entendre. Yeah, that's a double entendre. Big bust. Okay. Well, these stories from Florida don't go away. Entendre. You hear? Yeah, you hear two things. Right. All right. Double. I got it. Another Florida. Here's the headline: Beware Greeks. Nope. It says Beware Geeks. Bearing quarters. You may have heard there's a saying, beware of Greeks bearing gifts. But this one says, beware geeks bearing quarters. It's been reported that two thieves made a heist at a car wash that allowed them to make off with 3,396 quarters. Surveillance footage recently released by the Broward County Sheriff's Office showed that the bandits used a drill to break into an outdoor payment machine at the mobile gas station car wash in Dania Beach, Florida. The crooks fled the scene in the silver Ford Focus with $849 in quarters. No rest have been made. Beware of geeks bearing quarters. <laughs> cute, huh? Cute, cute. Another story from Florida, the headline. A spunky 95-year-old granny. That's all, a spunky 95-year-old granny. Hattie Reynolds. Hattie Reynolds is her name, of Daytona Beach, Florida, allegedly slapped her 46-year-old granddaughter in the face with a slipper for being a loafer. Reynolds was sick of the younger woman, quote, staying in bed all day soaking up all the air conditioning. 
end quote. That's what she told police. The police arrested her, then let her go with a warning. You're not going to put a 95-year-old granny in jail. I hope that that... You're smacking her with a slipper? (laughs) Yes, what it says here. I don't write them. I just read them and bring them to you. Well, that's old, you know, that's old school. That's real old school. That's kind of old school that can get you in jail. I can smack my granddaughter right. when she's not acting right. All right. The last story of the day, folks. Another one from Florida. The headline, not a leg to stand on. A four foot tall, legless woman could not keep from outrunning the law. Fugitive Crystal Anderson, 39, who lost her legs to injuries from a 2015 gun battle with police, was wanted for skipping out on a court date. Police arrested her in mid-May of 2018 at her boyfriend's Winter Haven home when they saw him trying to cram her into a plastic bin. Not a leg to stand on. <laughs> I heard the skipping reference. Oh, skipping gosh. Out. Oh, my, my. All right. I know our time is running out, EJ, but here's some riddles for today. First one. Why didn't the ghost go to the prom? Why didn't the ghost go to the prom? Second riddle. Who run? Who won, rather? Who won the race? The steak or the hamburger? Who won the race, the steak or the hamburger? Finally, why aren't grizzlies allowed into restaurants? Why aren't grizzlies allowed into restaurants? Those are our riddles for the day. We'll come back at the end of the show and we'll give you the answers. All right, we're going to take another break here and we're going to come back with the Paul Harvey story. You'll like this one. I had time here for Paul Harvey's story. These stories are written by Paul's son, Paul Aaron. This one is called Sparky Was a Loser. When he was a little boy, the other children called him Sparky after a comic strip horse named Sparkplug. Sparky never did shake that nickname. School was all but impossible for Sparky. He failed every subject in the eighth grade. Every subject. He flunked physics in high school, receiving a flat zero in the course. He distinguished himself as the worst physics student in his school's history. You know, he also flunked Latin and algebra and English. He didn't do much better in sports. Although he managed to make the school golf team, he promptly lost the only important match of the year. There was a consolation match. Sparky lost that, too. Throughout his youth, Sparky was awkward socially. He was not actually disliked by the other youngsters. No, no one cared that much. He was astonished if a classmate ever said hello to him outside of school hours. No way to tell how he might have done at dating. In high school, Sparky never once asked a girl out. He was too afraid of being turned down. Sparky was a loser. He, his classmates, everyone knew it. So he rolled with it. Sparky made up his mind early in life that if things were meant to work out, they would. 
Otherwise, he would content himself with what appeared to be inevitable mediocrity. But now this is the rest of the story. One thing was important to Sparky, drawing. He was proud of his own artwork, of course. No one else appreciated it. In his senior year of high school, he um, submitted some of his cartoons to the editors of the class yearbook. Almost predictably, Sparky's drawings were rejected. While a young man had stoically rationalized virtually all of his failures heretofore, he was rather hurt by the general ignorance of what he believed was his one natural talent. In fact, he was so convinced of his artistic ability that he decided to become a professional artist. Upon graduating from high school, he wrote a letter to the Walt Disney Studio, a letter indicating his qualifications to become a cartoonist for Disney. Shortly after receiving an answer, a form letter request, a form letter requesting that he send them some examples of his artwork, subject matter was suggested. For instance, a Disney cartoon character, quote, repairing a clock by shoveling the springs and gears back inside. Sparky drew the proposed cartoon scene. He spent a great deal of time on it. He also did other drawings. A job with Disney would be impressive, and there were many doubters to impress. Sparky mailed the form and his drawings to Disney. Sparky waited, and one day the reply came. It was another form letter. Very politely composed, it said that Disney Studios hired only the very finest artists, even for their routine background work. It has been determined from the drawings which Sparky had submitted that he was not one of those very finest artists. In other words, he he did not get the job. I think deep down Sparky expected to be rejected. He had always been a loser, and this was simply one more loss. So you know what Sparky did? He wrote his autobiography. He wrote his autobiography in cartoons. He described his childhood self, the little boy loser, the chronic underachiever in a cartoon character the world now knows. For the boy who failed the entire eighth grade, the young artist whose work was rejected not only by Walt Disney, but by his own school yearbook, that young man was Sparky Charles Monroe Schultz. He created the Peanuts comic strip and the little cartoon boy whose kite would never fly was Charlie Brown. Now you know the rest of the story. Charles Schultz was Charlie Brown. All right, that's our story for today. Let's go on to the answer to the riddles. First riddle. Why didn't the ghost go to the prom? Why didn't the ghost go to the prom? Well, the reason, it had no body to dance with. Get it? (laughs) It had no body to dance with. (laughs) Second riddle, who won the race, the steak or the hamburger? Well, of course, the hamburger won because it's fast food. (laughs) Finally, 
Why aren't grizzlies allowed into restaurants? Why aren't grizzlies allowed into restaurants? Well, it's because they have bare feet. <laughs> oh, I like that. All right, we're at the end of the show. Last thought for this week. You want to think about this. Okay. You have the vision and energy to put your favorite plans into motion. A significant other may add the ingenuity and structure that enables you to in, to achieve your dreams. You have the vision and energy to put your favorite plans into motion. A significant other may add the ingenuity and structure that enables you to achieve your dream. I'm glad you do. It's a good and solid thought. All right, folks. We're going to have to say goodbye to you. We've had a great show. We love being here with you, and we'll be with you here next week. Bye-bye, folks. <laughs>